They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to the podcast that's never written a book about UFOs, but we've certainly had the book thrown at us. This is Hysteria 51. Yeah, that's a... Thanks to a certain robot. Guilty as charged there, I'm afraid. Broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago, we are your hosts and tour guides on this intergalactic adventure. I'm John Goforth, and this is Brent Hand. Thank you, John. And we have a fun one this week as we interview author MJ Benias on his book, The UFO People, A Curious Culture. And how curious it is, John. I got to tell you, um, you sent me today's guest and... For about the Which first, costs a lot to ship. <laughs> the whole person. <laughs> about the, for about the first week, I was doing my reading. I could have sworn it said MJ Bananas, and I was just going to have fun the, for the entire episode calling him MJ Bananas. Oh, you're a sweet little thing, aren't you, Mister Bananas? <laughs> Can you do the splits? <laughs> oh no! See, yes, you lost me. yes. <laughs> uh, but before we get to that, Brent, let's get to our returning guest. He hasn't been back for a while. Stop. Don't play it. He isn't going to be able to make it. I just saw him downstairs. Yeah, seriously, Seabot, he he was just downstairs. Yeah, I went ahead and took care of that. How exactly did did you take- Hold on, hold on. Before you go into that, I can't blame Seabot for whatever he did. You have told Joe- Week after week, he's not allowed back. It's, it's true. He, I mean, in in theory, he is just following his programming of of making the show "quote unquote" better because we've told him he's not welcome back. And killing. Wait, wait, no, that's that and that's not in your programming. And for anyone who doesn't know, that other voice you're hearing is the third host of the show and the one most likely to make any guest disappear. He's the one and only conspiracy bot. That's right. I built Seabot to try to help make this show better, and instead. He does stuff like this week after week. He does. So, Seabot, uh, tell us now, what, what happened? That asshole comes back for one week and he's already getting billing over me. I don't like it. So I took a special tour of Fermi Lab earlier this week and came back with a souvenir. And you just turned it out. What the hell is that, dude? A mini accelerator. I created a wormhole and threw Joe through it. Here. I'll show you. Wait, wait, what? Here we go. Wubba lubba dub dub. No, Seabot, g- Seabot, give me that damn thing. Um. Seabot, where did John go? <laughs> Truth. And this is just between you and me. I have no idea. <laughs> if I had to guess, probably right next to Pecker's dumb ass by now. I mean, I shouldn't be laughing at this. But anyway, the show must go on. And we have an amazing interview this week. We're talking to... MJ Benias, and he is the author of The UFO People, A Curious Culture. I just wanted to read you the Amazon blurb from his new book. We are haunted by UFOs. They drift in and out of our culture in movies and on television, on billboards, and in books. They are everywhere. However, for one small community, they are much more than the fodder of science fiction storytelling. They alter the entire fabric of reality. 
part narrative journey and part cultural study, the UFO people is a challenge to the UFO subculture and the broader public to recognize that UFOs and the people who study them challenge societal norms, institutions, and the many ideologies we assume to be true. This book tells the stories of UFO witnesses and experiencers of the paranormal and ties in interviews and research of some of the most famous and infamous names in the UFO subculture. With critical questions that touch on history, gender, race, culture, and philosophy, this book questions the very nature of UFOs and the people who study them. It delves into the reality that the UFO phenomenon, real or not, abandons us to a ghostly realm where nothing should be taken for granted. Take a journey into the curious culture and meet individuals who have been forever changed by the impossible. Meet the UFO people. It was a great book. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And MJ is making a lot of waves and headway in the the UFO realm and the UFO subcultures. And he's just a fascinating guy. He does a lot of reviews. He he posts tons of videos. He's just someone I wanted to get on here to have a chat with and let you guys meet him and experience him. And the other thing, see, but I want to talk about before we get into this is when you say UFO people, what comes to mind? Straight up aliens, yo. Well, I mean, I can see why you would think aliens. When I think of UFO people, I think of the people that I kind of think how exactly what MJ was getting at. The people that study it, like we had NK Cranda on recently, the people that spend their life researching and doing these things a lot like what john and i do Uh, and the people who experience it the term has changed it's not the same term that it was in the 1950s it's changed for a lot of ways back then you know we look at like world of worlds and it came on the radio and people had mass hysteria now we're looking at things like the nimitz case comes out and people are like yeah well maybe we'll see they don't pay that much attention and i think a lot of it is because it has permeated so far and so hard into the cultural zeitgeist that we're almost immune to the thought you know until the big reveal if there is one or something people just kind of go about their business and that's why i think it really will take for a lot of people a landing in the white house lawn so to speak for ufology to be taken seriously or to even people care about i mean that's that's a crazy thing no i say people i mean you're lame in the everyday people it's just it's a it's a crazy thought to me but i think it'll take something like that for this to be uh, accepted you know and for people to accept what that was once thought impossible pinchers crossed so uh, we're gonna go to break but when we come back we're joined by mj benias mj like i said is the author of the ufo people curious culture he's an educator writer and a blogger he's a former ufo field investigator with the mutual ufo network and has been featured on multiple podcasts and radio shows and contributes to Mysterious Universe and Rogue Planet. His work has been included in 14 Times, Fate Magazine, and in a book entitled UFOs Reframing the Debate. And Seabot, get this, he lives in Canada with his wife, two children, and a massive cat. I knew I hated him. (laughs) So that's coming up after the break on Hysteria 51. Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I that, I, I just thought romance languages yeah. was the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So 
it's very high on pronunciation too. So <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> In that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's, it, they design it for long-term retention, you know, it, and yeah. uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do. And then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years and, there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and mm-hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused. Or really cool. <laughs> I have to go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use, and we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term, and uh, it's something that uh, it works, you know. And we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this, and this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now, right now. Get now. started. For Larry, limited time, his Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50%. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're oh. 50% off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off rosettastone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. (laughs) 
Nation, we are back, and just like I promised you, we have MJ Benias here with me, talking about his book, his background, his exploits in the world of ufology and the weird. MJ, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, man, it is awesome to be here. I, I, I It's an honor to be on Hysteria 51 well, for the, the first time. The honor, the honor is truly, truly there, because we got rid of John for you, so it's just me. It's the A-team. <laughs> you're here perfect so yeah you know it was it was in your writer you said i don't like john i don't want him on there i said happily i'll get rid of him for you conspiracy bots okay though yeah he is well i mean obviously that that was you know he doesn't leave when you ask him to so there's nothing we could really do about that we we share similar <laughs> goals for the destruction of humanity so it's good <laughs> i knew he liked you for a reason <laughs> yeah <laughs> so let's talk about your background a little bit how did you get into this this ufology world you know what what's what's your 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 backstory sure um well, when, you know, growing up, I was a, a sort of a geeky, nerdy kid who just liked anything science fiction, anything that had to do with aliens and, you know, watching the X-Files and, and Outer Limits and Star Trek and all that stuff. So I had that sort of nerd upbringing. Um, but I have to be honest, I did not really, I, I never really considered UFOs or, or anything sort of paranormal to be sort of interesting in any real sense um, until much later in life. I, um, when I went to university... Um, I, my degree is, is in English, but it's focused, uh, I have a degree in English and history, but it's focus is in culture. So, oh, nice. so yeah. my, my sort of interest in university was cultural studies and critical theory and, and looking at how people come up with, um, ideas and how those ideas spread amongst groups and then how those groups sort of form identities around those ideas. So you came to the, the title and the, the focus of your book pretty naturally that, uh, that kind of worked in, in greatly. Cause that's kind of how your, your book ties in a little bit, which you just came out. Tell everyone about what you just uh, had released. Yeah. So my book came out a few uh, weeks ago, I guess at this point or months, maybe a month ago, uh, it's called the UFO people, a curious culture. And it's a, cultural exploration, a sort of subcultural treatise, I suppose, on um, the UFO community and, and the sort of the broader paranormal community as well. So it's a, a sort of a look at the, the UFO people, the UFO community as a group and what are the like sort of what are the ideas that kind of form them. Did that come from your background and your, your degree? Is that where that came from? Like how, looking at the culture and saying, you know, how did this form or, or was there more to it? Yeah. You know, I think the, the best way to look at it is, um, I, I kind of started to chum around. I got very interested after I finished my degree, I got very interested in, in sort of paranormal groups. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started to chum around with some ghost hunters in, in, in the city that I live in. And, um, I started kind of helping them out, answering their emails and stuff like that for them being kind of that contact guy, never really doing too many investigations or I wasn't, you know, really into that. I was more interested in talking to the people who had these experiences. Um, yeah. and then I bumped into a local UFO researcher here named Chris Rutkowski. He's a, a relatively well-known sort of Canadian, um, ufologist. Um, and he's going to hit me for saying that, but, um, <laughs> No, he's, the he's Canadians are too nice for that. Come on now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he kind of said, you know, you should start looking at UFOs a little more. You know, I think you'd be really interested in the group and the community. And he kind of shoved me into this world. Um, and I started to research. I started to read books. I started to talk to people, meet witnesses. Um, I decided to become a MUFON field investigator for a couple years um, just to kind of get my hands dirty, get my boots on the ground kind of thing, investigating actual UFO reports and just kind of building up research and information and interviews and um, kind of trying to piece together what makes the UFO community tick. 
And five years later, I, or six years later, I guess at this point, I have a book to show for it. It's funny you say that. And I kind of fell down that whole rabbit hole too. And so many of the people that we talk to is you go into it and you go, I'm going to look into it. And then it kind of takes over. And it's such a fascinating, the, the field is fascinating. The things we're looking at is fascinating. And the thoughts, the topics, everything. And, and, and as you found, the people that are around it are fascinating too. And it's just, it's, it's, Something that, uh, you know, I hate to say the rabbit hole, but it, it's so easy to fall down that rabbit hole and then it just becomes your life. It totally is. Yeah. I mean, you know, John Keel kind of famously wrote in the Mothman prophecies that like being a member of this community, um, whether it's paranormal or whether it's UFOs or whatever, it's like quicksand. Um, you right. sort of step into it and then all of a sudden you get swallowed by it. And it's so funny. And, and you go on Facebook and all of a sudden all these people that you've read about are your friends and things like that. You're talking to these people like, oh, my gosh, you know, a lot yeah. of the, the, the community is welcoming. A lot of it isn't, as you know, but uh, that's that's just the way it falls into, uh, you know, reading reading through your book and watching some of your videos and stuff. You, you talk about a lot of things that are really interesting. And one of the things I want to talk about, and I'm probably going to say the name wrong, is it is Jacques de Rida? Am I saying that right? No, Jacques Derrida. 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 So he talked about, and you talked about with him, like there's this universe out there, but it's uh, unaccessible to us is one of the things that I thought was you you, you talked about and how language comes first and what has our language created, you know, kind of in this UFO spectrum. I I found that stuff very fascinating. Yeah, we, I think we, we commonly like no UFOs sort of, I, I believe, are objectively real in the sense that there is a phenomenon at work. There is something weird happening. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I'm not going to sort of say that there's no such thing as UFOs. UFOs clearly are a thing. Um, the problem is, whatever UFOs are, they are from somewhere else, right? That isn't us. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, we can see them or engage with them or, or, or they appear to us, but we're going to filter that information um, from its objective reality into our reality. Um, so, so Derrida is pretty clear. He sort of says that fundamentally language is the key filter by which sort of our reality forms. Mm-hmm. Derrida says there is an objective universe out there. There is like stars and planets and, you know, the, the world is real. Um, but the words we create and the and the communication we we function in and and our culture and our society and everything we sort of assume to be part of the daily world that's all been created by us. We've created this little reality for ourselves to make sense of the objective world, which is relatively chaotic and sort of all over the place. So you UFOs are sort of this chaotic force of nature, I suppose, or this chaotic force in the universe that we try to make sense of. Right. And you're using, uh, you know, for lack of better terms, we're using our own ways of breaking things down and talking about them to put them into our own terms for things that we really don't understand. And that's how they kind of they permeate into the 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 culture ideas and zeitgeist. You know, um, you look in the 50s, you're looking the little green men and flying saucers. Today, we got the grays and stuff like that. And it's funny how they follow us as we change the things that we talk about. And the way we describe those things change as well. It might have been back in the day there were chariots of fire in the sky and things like that. Right. And and it changes as we change and grow as people or as a, a yeah. society. Agreed. Yeah. We And we need to kind of ask ourselves the, sort of the big question then becomes um, – does the does the phenomenon sort of continue along its merry way and our interpretation of it changes? Exactly. Yeah. Or or is it the other way around? It it uses our 
cultural reference points to manifest in a way that would make sense to us. So it exists, it does what it does, but then it kind of uses us as a sounding board to, to create a reality for itself so that we can recognize it sort of as being odd or different. Speaking of nerding and, 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 and being dorky, but I'll use an example here. Uh, I don't know if you've read comics. Galactus from the, the Marvel comic books. You know, we see him, they see him, and he's this giant human-looking thing. And he's like, well, that's only what I look like to you because that's how you can perceive me. So right. no matter where he goes, he looks different to those people, you know? And it's kind right. of, that's a really interesting thing to, are they consciously forming whatever, insert whatever that they are, the way we see them? That's right. a, that's a fascinating way to look at it. Yeah, and, and I personally think it's kind of a bit of both. I think it's kind of a simultaneous process. I think we create the reality for them, and they use that to sort of manifest and appear to us. So I think there's kind of it's a two way street a little bit. Right, and you talked how we lack the I think it was the the language to understand and to be able to define it. You know, so it's it's so hard to. To be able to put our, our our fingers on it, to truly understand what we're seeing, right? I mean, whatever the phenomenon is, it's it's a it's it's a complete and total other, right? So, <clears throat> to find um, to find a basis of understanding within human linguistics is impossible, because ultimately, there is there is no place from which that other kind of stems from in our reality, right? Right. Um, so, you know, I think, I think the UFO community often gets stuck in, in sort of ideas, like we're dealing with, you know, um, aliens from space, or we're dealing with interdimensional beings from mm -hmm. some other version of us, or time-traveling humans, really like any plot line that Star Trek or any science fiction has ever already come up with. Right. That's kind of how the UFO community continues to interpret the phenomenon, mainly because it's safe, right? It's compartmentalized. Mm -hmm. I can understand it. I can, I can box it up into a nice little package, and I can then... At a point, I think fundamentally, is sort of maybe psychologically, I can master it. I'm not as afraid of it anymore because it, I have a reference point for it in my sort of lexicon, in my linguistic and cultural back, background. But that is such a flawed way to look at anything because we're looking at it through our own spectrum. Exactly. And it, the it, it doesn't have to be even this, uh, you know, UFOs or anything, but the whatever the it is that you don't understand could be uh, so far beyond us that we can't grasp it. And that's right. what we, we, that's, what's hard to go. We're not supposed to understand this and that's hard to, to swallow sometimes. It doesn't even need to be so far beyond us technologically. It's just so different from us right. that we have right. no point of reference. Right. We don't even understand going to other cultures. They're 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 you know, the way that they live, let alone, you know, right. uh, another being from, or name the place, you know, another dimension. We have like English, for example, doesn't have um, words for certain ideas in other languages, right. but they have words for them, right? You know, the common ones like Schadenfreude in German, or um, I know like Inuit languages in Northern Canada, they have like 13 different words for snow. Um, and each word sort of describes like not only what the snow is kind of like, but also almost like the spiritual meaning of the snow and like the emotional feeling of the snow. Right. Um, and in language, in English, it's just snow, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's, you know, we have this process already occurring in human languages, but at least when you're dealing with other humans, you kind of have a similar point of reference, but in some extreme other. Now think if your whole species had grown that way, 
having everything that has this spiritual or this physical connotations to it. And we might not be able to understand it at all or even right. realize that there's a difference in language or things like that. Cause like you said, we can barely do it with ourselves. Right. Uh, see, you, you know, you talked about, you know, in the, the, the experiencer in the UFO world today and the, the things that we're faced with, what do you see as the biggest issues out there for us to, to be able to, to, to crack these codes, to understand what we're looking at, for us to come together, the, the proverbial us, what are the issues that we're facing today? Yeah, right right now, I think, well, I think it's always been this way, but I think ufology has always had a sort of ideological crisis. Um, when you look at who, when, when you look at which ideas permeate ufology, it's the most simple ones, right? Stuff like extraterrestrials from other planets, mm-hmm. um, stuff like interdimensional beings, basically anything that comes out of Corey Good or David Wilcox's face. Right, like right. these are very simplistic, sort of easy to package yeah. and process notions. Throw of, on of what- Gaia and 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 turn your brain off. The big ones, the big ones, you know that, right. that you hear over and over and over again. And they're incredibly popular because, again, it 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 allows me as a viewer or as a listener or as just an audience member or a consumer, I can easily consume that information. I can own it. I can then sort of have some comfort in, in having mastery over it. You know, there's a common sort of um, like joke in, in, in like demonology, right? If you know the demon's name, you're, you you can control it. Right. So it's kind of the same thing, right? We have this, this, if I know grays are from Zeta reticuli, or if I know the reptilians live in Antarctica, I then at least have some ability to master that. Um, I can have control over it. Demystifying, you know, knowing what something is demystifies it to a great extent. And, uh, that's an important thing. And I think the problem is what, mass media then picks up or what the mainstream media then picks up are those messages. And that's what then gets permeated into popular culture and into sort of the, the rest of, of humanity's understanding of what UFOs are. Um, so, you know, when you talk to anyone in the public, they automatically like anyone, whenever I tell people that I wrote a book about UFOs, the first question out of their mouth is, is like, Oh, do you believe in aliens? And it's like, you're asking the wrong question, man. But, but that's what you've been taught, right? Right. The, right people have right. taught that aliens like ufos equals aliens ufo just means it's something that i don't understand that's something that we always say in this show so much just because you're seeing something that you don't understand doesn't mean that the next person doesn't understand it or doesn't mean that there is a perfectly normal or not normal explanation for it it just means i don't know so are we dumbing it down too much is that's what is are we dumbing it down for entertainment factor and it and we're shooting ourselves in the foot do you think that's what's happening or or is that a good thing in a way because it's uh, sort of desensitizing the the layman and the everyday man to these thoughts and notions sure yeah and that's it, kind of a double-edged sword um right I, right I, I think i think um, there, there are the benefit is yes, you're, you, you know, if it becomes easily consumable, therefore it's easier to consume and you're going to have more consumption and then more people will be interested in buying the books and doing the research. I think what occurs though, in, in sort of with most people is, is just people are, are, are like, uh, are generally lazy. I'm going to read the book I'm like, Oh sweet. And then I'll watch ancient aliens. And that is my, that is my ufological, sort of right. consumption rate. And that's it. I'm not going to go any deeper. Like I'm not going to read other writers who have different ideas. Um, and, and we get kind of bogged down in our own personal interpretation or ideology. So, so that, that, that does like positive and a negative. Right. Um, and the other, the, the problem as well is, 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 um, media companies like UFO TV shows on history channel or whatever mm-hmm. channel, cable channel, um, they're, 
they kind of sell a certain interpretation of 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 the phenomenon. They they de they they sort of sanitize it for consumption um, because they're good capitalists, and, and that's fine. But um, again, you're then not getting all of those other voices who who disagree. Um, I there's I have been emailed countless times by people who say I'm wrong because it's aliens and right. they know this because they saw it on TV or, and it's like, who am I? You know, you wrote a book and you have a YouTube channel. Who cares? I saw this on history channel. <laughs> no, you're wrong. And it's like, okay, we should not be using history channel as sort of our litmus test for truth here. But, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. that, that, so you, then you get also that opposition. Cause now if you have too many people buying into sort of one ideology, any other ideology that challenges that ideology is going to suddenly be like, no way, man. And then you get into literally verbal spats on Facebook or on Twitter. Absolutely. And I think that those verbal spats are something that even the people that are reading and doing a lot more research too, then sometimes get into a headspace where they have a, it almost becomes politics. You know how right For and sure. left, you know, is right and wrong. Neither of them being the right or the wrong. You know what I mean? You, you fight and you fight and you fight. And that becomes a lot of it. And I'm sure you could insert whatever industry, you know, we could be making, you know, copper wire. And I'm sure there's people that do the same thing, but it's different, you know, because there's so much infighting and I try to keep my opinions on a lot of these things as fluid as I can because we read and I learn and my, my opinions on a lot of cases and a lot of things continually are in flux because I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know all the answers to everything and I don't know all the facts. And therefore I, I try not to, you know, John, John, my, my partner in here, he's much more of the, the hard no skeptic. And I like to keep my mind open a little bit more. Mm -hmm. because I think everything deserves that in one way or another. I agree. I think the sanest position is the I don't know space. You know, I, I'm not saying that extraterrestrials aren't visiting Earth. I simply don't know if but they you're are. Not gonna, right? you're not going to sell those History Channel shows saying you don't know. <laughs> right, and that, you know? but that's the thing, right? You know, you know, I don't know if it's interdimensional beings. I don't know what it is. I, I know there's a phenomenon, like I, or a phenomena. I know these things occur because people see them and, and people have been seeing them for a long time and there's countless testimonies and, and whatever. And, and, you know, we can debate what's authentic and what's hoax and, and what's delusion. And that, that's fine. That's a separate conversation. But there is a phenomenon that people are continuously identifying, seeing, um, you know, it shows up on radar every once in a while, whatever. So I know UFOs sort of are real. I don't know what the source is. And right. I would, I'm going to argue no one knows what the source is. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. No one actually knows what causes UFOs. Anyone who, who claims that um, is is going to be most likely trying to sell you something. Right. Um, that's, a, that's a wonderful way to put it. And, you know, you, we, we look at, you know, going along with that. Uh, the Nimitz case, the tick tick, the things that would have been in the the news lately that are getting a lot of play, even on mainstream news stations. You know, you can turn into mm -hmm. your your local news and they might be talking about it. So uh, you were looking at that, going along with that. Did the public react to that footage and the radar and things in the way that you expected, or was the kind of the sort of lack of enthusiasm by your 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 everyday person uh, less than what you thought it would be? Because I I think we've been drilled to say. Say, well, you look at the whole war of the worlds, and when we think something like that, people are going to lose their their proverbial shit. And then we have people going, "I have no idea what this is," and I'm a fighter pilot, and we have radar and stuff. And people are like, "Man, how's the stock market doing?" Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, the news cycle, 
you know, is so short um, and people move on to different news stories um, depending on depending on the sort of the, the media's interpretation yeah. of what's important. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the UFO thing, when it first hit, you know, whatever, December 2017, when that New York Times article hit, um, a lot of media picked it up. And they picked it up for, what, two weeks? It kind of was big news. And then, you know, something else happened and and on we went. Um, because I think the inherent problem was in those articles, you know, they, the term UFO was used, which is great, creates a lot of buzz. Um, but no one sort of sat there and said, we have proof of alien life or, you know, like no one kind of had that story. The story was, and it's always kind of been the same, right? People saw weird stuff. It's not something we can identify, therefore it's unknown, but no one's saying it's aliens. Uh, And and if somebody turned around and said, yeah, it's aliens and here's the proof, well, I think that would be a bigger news cycle. Yeah, that's a... um that that's a statement that it's hard to go back from. So where do we go? You know, what's, what's the answer? What do we need to do as a society here in America and outside of this to get people thinking and looking into these things and um, maybe taking them for real for what they are, which is something that we don't know, but, but probably needs to be investigated. Is there an answer? I mean, that's a, that's a loaded question. Cause I don't know. Do you, do you have a, a guess? I would say, well, you know, I think I think part of the answer is sort of already in in the works. I think you have a lot of interest on the general public side, um, and and I have to give you know props to sort of this eight tip program and to the Stars Academy and all of that crew for sort of getting this out there more. <clears throat> we can debate whether it's good or bad. We can debate whether you know to the stars and a tip and all this is a hindrance or a help. Like that's that's up for debate. Sure. Because I know there's a lot of people right now who would be listening to this and being like, Benias is, is, you know, he's gone crazy. But <laughs> but you bring up a really good point, though. We're talking about it. Yeah. From the public perspective, more people are now engaged in the UFO discourse. Common people, professors in universities, academic scientists, whatever. You have more interest now in the UFO phenomenon than you've had previously. Not only that, you've had a lot of mainstream coverage of the UFO phenomenon in like a two-year period. So the message is getting out there more. Um, So I would say that's kind of one thing. You want people who work in the scientific community, people who work in academic communities to, to start looking at this, right? Because ultimately you need your skeptics to be less skeptical, right? In order for this ball to move forward, all the the very conservative-minded um, professors, academics, grant institutions, think tanks, whatever, that fund research, they need to start allocating money to the UFO enigma or to the paranormal enigma. This is something, you know, I talk with Chris Cogswell. He's He hosts The Mad Scientist. He's a PhD. I've talked with, uh, we've had a couple PhDs on here to talk about, you know, when we look at different cases to to try to break stuff down. And they're very, when I reach out to people, they're very apprehensive to even talk about it because it's the death sentence to a lot of people that are trying to do research because we don't talk about it. Like you said, the, the, the conservative avenues of science, um, will blackmail people a lot of times just for, uh, putting their name on research that, that involves this stuff. I think the general public has this weird interpretation of science that like if a scientist or researchers or anyone has a great idea, it's going to get funded. And that's not accurate. (laughs) Right. right? Yeah. Um, A lot of people just laughed at that. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Oh no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because at the end of the day, what, what 
universities and what um, research institutions and and sort of what we would sort of deem to be sort of large, um, well-respected organizations that fund and grant and provide grant money to doing any sort of research, um, they kind of look at two things. One, they look at does the research sort of help us in a promotional sense? What's going to be literally the the citation index of this paper or this study or mm-hmm. this research? So can will we in a sense get more clicks by funding this right yeah and the second thing is it's not like most of these places have large democratic systems that allocate money right. it's usually one or two people who sit on top of all the cash and they hand it out however they see fit with very little they oversight have very specific you know, views on things and what they'll allow and when you look at who generally is deemed responsible enough to hold those purse strings, they're usually quite conservative. They're not risk takers. They're not going to fund some of the more crazy sounding stuff because that's inherently not who they are. They're very conservative. Because again, as a university, for example, you don't want the guy who issues grants to be a nut bar, right? You don't want the guy who issues <laughs> right. grants to start handing out money about Bigfoot and ghosts and flying saucers because you're going to run out of money fast. And not only that, your donors who give you all that money are going to look at you and be like, why the hell is my money being used to investigate UFOs? This is silly. So you have, you know, people with money typically are, are, are generally more conservative, especially in academic institutions. So, you know, you need to, they, they, as the, as the general public kind of has this odd perception, I think, of how science is funded, and it's and it's very much sort of a conservative capitalistic system. Right. And, you know, speaking of funding, you know how hard it is to do research with no funding because you were a uh, a MUFON investigator, right? You did that for a couple of years, you said? Yeah, about two and a half. Uh, so how was that? You know, did you did you, did you do any crazy cases or fun ones or what's the breakdown? Um. Okay. 98% of all of my cases were very, very boring. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, like if you have the, if you're like, I want to become a UFO investigator and I want to go out and investigate UFOs, you will not see one most likely. Right. Um, and you will, you will not bump into aliens um, and, and you will most likely not end up with any evidence. It's taken notes from people over and over again. Yeah. And you look at a lot of like maps and star charts and you, 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 you phone places that don't want to get back to you. Like you'll call the local police department and they'll never return your call. So you call them back and they don't return. You know what I mean? Like it's, yep. it's a lot of this. You track down where the International Space Station was. At a, you know, you spend a lot of time on the internet and you spend a lot of time on the phone. Mm-hmm. And, and. The problem that that arises as well is you quickly realize, I think I realized this after my fifth or sixth case, was that most people don't know like their cardinal directions. They don't know really a lot of information about sort of like how to identify stuff in the air. So when they say, you know, I was facing north and it was moving from, you know, south to sort of east direction and you're like wait okay one okay, so it was moving in a southeast direction yeah. or it's like well no it was kind of south and then it kind of moved east okay uh, okay what do you mean and then but you were facing north so how did you see it oh i must have turned around you know what i mean you're, you're kind of like, okay <laughs> yeah. i don't yeah. actually know and you're trying to hash out this entire story and short of going there to their place and i was gonna say yeah you can't physically go there and go okay show me not all the time you yeah. can't right you mean you also like again if you think you get paid to do this, you're insane. There is no pay for this. You, say, you, it's no, your no own dime. Yeah. So um, it, it's a, it's very boring. That being said, 
that there's a 2% of cases that are kind of fun and interesting because, you know, maybe something was left behind or, or you're dealing with it very interesting individuals who you would kind of look at and be like, wow, this person's reporting a UFO to me. Like that's weird because they are a PhD in physics and they work at this sort of science lab. Mm -hmm. Like you're like, Hey, this is an interesting situation. You know why? You almost want to say like, are you sure you want to come forward with this? (laughs) You know, for me, the, the most interesting part of, of investigating UFO sightings was, was the people like talking Mm -hmm. to the witnesses and collecting their stories. Cause that's really all UFO investigation is. You're really just collecting stories because half the time you can't prove or disprove the event. We had uh, NK Crandon recently and she's an experiencer researcher and that's all she does. She, you know, she talked about how she doesn't try to prove or disprove. She's just archiving the events. And Uh one of the things she said that I thought was really interesting and, you know, we were talking about is in the future, maybe we'll understand these things and we can go back and go through them and say, this was this and this was that and that was nothing. But for now, we're just making sure that these aren't lost, that these things are are written down and uh, maybe in the future we can figure them out. Yeah, no, and and I and I, I agree with that statement. I, I think they are very much uh, a sort of uh, ufology is really like an archival sort of philosophical program, right? We 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 talk about what we think's going on, and then we just simply record everything down and um, sort of move on to the next story. Right. Uh, so yeah, you, you sort of have to have that aspect, that sort of people person aspect, and and. Um, be respectful of, of their time and their story because ultimately to them it happened. Right. And the thing that I've learned in, in working with a lot of people is even, and this is a, an unfortunate thing when it happens, even if it can be explained away, a lot of times they don't want to hear that. And that yeah. is taken the wrong way. Sometimes you got to be able to express those things to them as well. And um, uh, yeah. it's, it's handling a lot of things with kid gloves. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So are you still with MUFON? Do you still do anything or, or, or have you moved on? Uh, I have moved on. Uh, I did leave MUFON due to sort of political reasons that rose up a few right. years ago we've, in regards to a certain state director. So we've covered I, all of that uh, many times and, and we've talked with, uh, you know, uh, Chris who left them and, and absolutely. So, and yeah. I, that's a very good personal reason to leave. So absolutely. Absolutely. It's unfortunate, you know, and, and I hope that, um, you know, in the future, something else can can either that gets straightened out or something else can come in its place. And I, I, yeah. I don't know what that looks like, unfortunately. Uh, so what's next for you? I mean, are you working on another book? You've got your YouTube channel, which is fantastic, and you're doing a lot of reviews on there. But what's the what's the next move? Do you, do you got it planned? Yeah. Uh, right now, I am doing some preliminary research for a second book. Um, it's definitely still, you know, in the early phases. But um, the, the plan is to sort of collect more sort of stories from witnesses to kind of go to more sites that that sort of larger you know paranormal or ufo cases occurred um sort of boots on the ground um you know in interviewing some more interesting people um in you know again university settings or or in scientific settings who who are interested and Mm. and exploring the ufo enigma um so just trying to, to kind of piece all that together um, and basically come up ultimately with an idea for a book because, you know, oh, I've been doing this for about six years now. There's a lot of research. A good chunk of it went into sort of the UFO people, but there's also a good chunk that is kind of just hovering there. Right. It didn't fit there per se, but you, you've got it and it's, it needs to come out one way or another. Right. So, so it will sort of find its way out, I'm sure, into, into a second book. Um, right now, the big focus, though, is the YouTube channel. Um, I, I'm doing 
my my reviews. I do my sort of other show called The UFO People, which is just kind of taking ideas in the book and kind of extrapolating them out, talking about kind of current events in relation to those ideas from the book, uh, as well as my live show, Cafe Obscura, where it's just sort of my little conversational, one-hour conversation I have with different people within sort of different paranormal communities um, and just, you know, shooting the proverbial shit for there you go, right? uh, an hour. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So what I mean, you were talking about your, your, all that where, where is everywhere that they can find you? You've got your YouTube channel, give them the names, give them some links. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so all of my stuff you can find on my website, which is www.mjbanias.com, which is nice and easy. And there's links to everything there. My blog, uh, which you can find all of my writing, is www.terraobscura.net. And then my YouTube channel is you know, youtube.com forward slash MJ Benias. Um, and it's it's all kind of linked. You really just need to remember mjbenias.com. Go there and you can find my YouTube channel. And not only are your YouTube channel, you know, is the information great. It's got great production value. You, you're, you're, you're filming it well. It looks good. Your sound's good. I know that sounds like a silly compliment, but it's hard to find a lot of times. So you're doing a very good job. It's very you know, interesting. You, 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 my, okay. So I'm going to spoil some of the magic here, but <laughs> I have two little kids. So what you see is the one like little section of my house that is not infiltrated with children's <laughs> toys. Um, because if, if I actually put the camera up and, and looked down, you would just see like building blocks and Lego and like, <laughs> like, scooters. like there'd just be everything. Um, so I have my one little section of my bookshelf, which is, which is mine. Um, and that's all you get to see in my movies <laughs> or my videos. And, uh, I, yeah, my, everything else is, looks like a, a tornado went through, but yeah. this part's daddies. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it, you know, like I record on an iPhone. I bought like a cheap mic on Amazon. Like I, I am you're, running a. You're doing a, it well. You're doing bare it well. Bones, it's a bare bones production because um, to do it with like the actual gear, like when, when you start a YouTube channel, you, you're like, okay, well, I got the first thing is get a new camera. And then you're like, a camera's a thousand dollars. Okay, we're going to, let's find a cheaper camera. It's still 500 bucks. I don't have that kind of money. I'm right. just going to use an iPhone. Like that's what it is, right? So. Um, Which is yeah, a thousand dollar camera. Yeah, it's a very simple setup, but um, it seems to be working. So I really appreciate you know you saying that it looks good because no, I, I definitely play with lighting and editing and and that kind of thing to kind of tweak it. To make I was it watching one of your videos and you're like, you know, I would be terrified because all I can hear is footsteps above me, but that's yeah. just my children running around <laughs> stairs, you know, that I can hear constantly. That was funny. I tell you, I really greatly appreciate you coming on here, you chatting with me. You know what you're doing is it's very important and I really like it. And this is going to sound like an odd statement, but the UFO culture, the, the people that are the names in it are getting older and it's good to see some younger people coming in and, and doing what you're doing, really stepping up and doing the research and becoming a name in the society out there. So it's important. And I'm really happy that you took the time to come on here and talk with me. Uh, I really appreciate that. Thanks for the very kind words. Thank you. And, and I've got being on the show was, was awesome. I, I love Hysteria 51, so um, happy to be on anytime. Awesome. So there's MJ Benias, everyone. Don't forget, you can just go to his website, find him there, and we'll be back with more Hysteria 51. What do you think? What do you think about the UFO people? I think they are all as dumb as you are. That makes sense. That that. Uh, what would you think about MJ Benice? You know, as soon as I found out he was a cat lover, I tuned out.
I skipped the whole interview. Well, you know, at least you know your enemies. Nation, that's that's our thoughts on this. What are your guys' thoughts? What comes to mind when you think UFO people? That is your homework for this week. Hop on a Hysteria Nation. Let us know what comes to mind. What do you think of when you think of the UFO people? Is it something that is mainstream or are they people that you think of and you go oh man and you roll your eyes when you think of the people that work with this and that's okay there's no right or wrong we actually want to hear what you think and what you feel like i said hop on facebook search hysteria nation you can let us know on there also facebook.com slash hysteria 51 pod that's our regular page Tweet to us at Hysteria51Pod. If you're a Reddit user, we have a Hysteria51 subreddit. You can let us know on there and hop on Patreon, patreon.com slash Hysteria51. You can find extra episodes, up all nights, audio dramas, different songs, different extra pieces of extra intros and clips that we never used on the show that we release on there. And also, you can smell John Goforth. For $30, you can get yourself stickers, and you can get yourself t-shirts, you can host the show, you can have yourself added to our own webpage, you can do all that on Patreon, and if you want to hear your voice on the show, 773-669-7277, again, 773-669-7277, if you forget any of this. Just go to Hysteria51.com. That's our page. You can find all those links and so much more. You can spin the wheel of conspiracies. You can find links to shop. You can do lots of things. So with that said, I've been Brent. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. Or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.